everybody to another episode of Beyond the Box Set. Yep, got it right. This is a podcast where we pitch prequels, sequels, and spin-offs to movies that don't have any. Um, I'm Harry, and joining me as always is John. I think that might be your best work. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to make them different every episode. Yeah, true. Yeah, keep people... Keep, keep people it spontaneous, yeah. yeah. So, speaking of different, John, I've heard you've actually got a story for me this week. Okay, yes, we'll get slightly off topic, but uh, I'll, I'll let me l- t- tell your, our listeners about a little interesting event that's happened to me this, in my life this week. <laughs> so I went to visit my parents this weekend for the Easter, mm-hmm. and I, I came back home on Monday night to find there was a pigeon sitting on my balcony, mm-hmm. looking very sorry for itself, not moving very much. And it just kind of stayed there, and I assumed it didn't. I tried to shoot it away, and it wouldn't go away. So I just assumed it'd come here to die, and, uh, but I felt kind of bad about it, so... Mm-hmm. I gave it some food and water. And while doing that, I noticed that it had rings on its feet, which means it's a racing pigeon. It belongs to somebody. Like tags. Like little tag, yeah, little yeah. tag rings, basically. Um, so over the past few days, I have been nursing this pigeon back to health. I have been feeding it, watering it. I've been bringing it indoors. Just want to say, this is completely against all my advice. <laughs> like I said, this pigeon, it, it, wants, your, it wants your goldfish. It's, <laughs> it's going to take your goldfish. Don't let it in. Like it, It's just trying to gain your trust. It will murder you. It's not yet made a play for the goldfish, but it has annexed my balcony <laughs> and, and shat all over it. So I've been keeping it in a box and bringing it indoors at night and like putting it back on the balcony in the daytime. Uh, last night, it's been getting stronger. Uh, last night, it got out of the box <laughs> and, flew, and kind of flew around my living room for a little bit, which oh, I did not, didn't like, <laughs> didn't appreciate at all. How did you get it back in the box? It, event- it just started. What, it eventually started just wandering around and let me pick it up. So It's actually quite docile once you get used to it. Okay. Anyway, it's been with me for a few days now. On the advice of the Royal Society for um, Bird Racing, I left it 48 hours to see if it would fly with its own accord. It did not. Um, <laughs> wait, wait, so how long has it been here right now? Well, I found it could have got arrived at any point over the Easter weekend, but <clears throat> I, it's definitely been here since Monday, and we're recording this on Wednesday night, so <sighs> we're at least 48 hours of this now. <laughs> so today, having been 48 hours, using the contact details on the rings, I managed mm-hmm. to contact the original owner who let me know that he's not kept pigeons, racing pigeons, for several years. <laughs> so, uh, so he did not want this bird back. <laughs> you, are, you are screwed. So what are you going to do now? Well, I asked the guy. That, I was like, well, it's kind of mm, hanging out on my balcony. It's not really flying anywhere. It doesn't seem to be making any effort to leave what to do. And um, his advice <laughs> was to put it in a box and take, out, take it out into the wild and release it. But um, he caveated that by saying, you're going to need to release it at least 10 miles away from your home, because if you don't, it will come back. <laughs> That's pretty awkward. So this bird is maybe with me forever now. So I'm glad that you've got a new friend. Yes. Um, <laughs> does this pigeon have a name? Yes, I've, I've dubbed her Feather Small. Feather Small. Yeah. <laughs> and, and yes, she's perfectly lovely, if not a little bit intrusive and a little um, bit shit happy. Yeah. Oh, well. Great. Well, I hope that she's here next week when I record. Yeah, she, she might become a on the, a regular guest on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's a real film buff. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Great. Okay. Well, let's get into our, our next film. Okay. And so this week we're doing uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which was your choice, wasn't it? It was my choice. Yes, I thought this is a very good film. I've been meaning to rewatch it for a long time, and I just thought, well, let's see what, what you think. After I was pretty confident to enjoy it. So, uh, oh, what did, did you think? I did not enjoy it. Really? No, I, I found it increasingly annoying oh yeah like maybe i'd have I'd enjoyed it, it watching it as a kid but just the cartoons just seemed way too slapstick and then it didn't really meld too well with with the real life i mean it looked fantastic mm-hmm. 
like the way that they merged cartoons in real life in this, I think, was so much better than Space Jam. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, high praise. <laughs> <laughs> What's the only comparison I can really give? No, true. I guess there's only that one, like Mary Mary Poppins, I guess, but that's kind of more... um, The other way around. Yeah, and much more rudimentary because it was a lot older, obviously. So, yeah. Okay, so better than Space Jam would be your uh, one line I'm saying saying visually. Visually, only visually. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Um, Yeah, I just, I found... The character of Roger just increasingly more and more annoying. Okay, I would I would agree. To be fair, the character I, is hard work. And I, I feel like even the characters that I liked as a kid, they weren't that annoying, even back then. Yeah, I, I don't know though, because that might just be how your memories warp as you as you get older. Maybe yeah, maybe it is a thing where you have to see these films as kids mm. because, and then I think because you didn't like the Goonies either, did you? No, another kids' film that yeah that you saw as an adult. Yeah, please don't pick that. I know. I, I did come up with that quite early, but Harry vetoed it. So we won't be doing the Goonies on this podcast until we really want have ideas. Sorry. Yeah, but I can kind of see what you mean because if you watch something as a kid, I feel like maybe you, you see it through different eyes. You, mm-hmm. you can buy into something. And then as an adult, you kind of still see it through the eyes of the first time you saw it. Yeah. Whereas if you watch it, I guess if you watch it as an adult, maybe, yeah. As, as I say, I agree that Roger Rabbit character is hard work. And I think it's because he's not a classic cartoon character. He was invented for this film. All right. Or rather for a, the, the book this film is based on. This, okay. this, this film is based, I believe, on an unpublished, unpublished novel. When was this written? Uh, 80s, in the 80s, I believe. Okay. So well, the, the film came out in the late 80s, so I assume the book is from around the similar time. Yeah. But yeah, because I feel like... Had, does the book have all, like, Bugs Bunny and Mickey Mouse and stuff in it? I don't know. I've never read it. Surely it does. How did it not? Yeah, I guess. I don't, I, don't, I don't know how much... I think it's only loosely based. I think it's maybe, like, the basic oh. idea. Oh, right. okay. But I don't know. It might even be a comic strip. I'm not sure. I don't know. I've mm-hmm. not done enough research for this podcast, mm-hmm. clearly. But uh, yes, yeah, so I feel like they're trying to make this kind of classic cartoon character, but I feel like it, it's he's a little bit jar dropping. So he's just a bit too full on, a little bit too mm-hmm. in your face and like, Poochie-esque. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it does get a bit wearying. My buddy, very deep. A sour put you'll be. But when I'm done, he'll need no gun to the Joker. He will be C, D, and I, I. What about the other characters, though? Did, I just found the mix of the Disney characters and the uh, not Marvel, the Warner Brothers characters altogether. <laughs> just it was just it was just like. Spot your favorite cartoon. I just loved spotting all the little cameos, whether it be Dumbo working for Peanuts or yeah, yeah. My favorite good. character, poor sad old Betty Boop, who's uh, you know worked been kind of <laughs> slow since once cartoons went to color. <laughs> I've still got it, Eddie. <laughs> Such a poignant little scene. Like it's, it's, it's naked pity for her. It's yeah, yeah. Cigars, cigarettes, Eddie Valiant. Betty, long time no see. What are you doing here? Work's been kind of slow since cartoons went to color. But I still got it, Eddie. Boop, boop, doo Yeah, you still got it. Were there any redeeming features for you? <laughs> Struggling. I don't know, because there were some bits that like I, I got into mm-hmm. and then were disappointed by that Mickey Mouse was not the big villain at the end. Yeah, a lot of people yeah, said they were proud for it to be Mickey. And I can see what you mean, because he's got that high voice. So. Yeah, yeah. I feel like he really lends himself to a villain. I don't think Disney would have allowed it. Because they had to, in order to, this is the only, the first and I believe only feature film in which Disney and Warner Brothers 
characters have appeared on screen together. All right. And the only way that they could do it contractually was that they have to have the exact same amount of screen time. So that's why Mickey Mouse is only on screen at the same time as Bugs Bunny. So everyone always meets their equivalent on screen. So oh, Daffy Duck, cool. and, yeah. So Daffy Duck and Donald Duck. As I didn't well. really quite. I, and I, I sort of, I, I noticed the pairings, but I didn't yeah. notice that these had to be on screen at the same, the same duration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's. Uh... Would that have made you enjoy it more if you'd known that? Mm, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I suppose maybe I would have then been watching it just like, oh, that's two minutes to Disney, right? Yeah. Okay, Warner Brothers, you you gotta mm-hmm. be keeping score, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just feel like this is a very us kind of film. Like it's a very beyond the box set film because it does feel like somebody's taken, you know, classic characters and kind of inserted them into a new narrative, which I like to do all the time in my mm. sequels. You know, so I kind of like, and also giving it a slightly adult twist. Like this film is for kids, but it definitely has adult themes to it. Yeah, it does. I did enjoy the, the sex joke when it was when she was playing patty cake. <laughs> <laughs> do you think that means that they don't have sex at all, and patty cake is their sex substitute? Or did you think Patikate was just some kind of sex game or something? Well, who was playing Patikate with? The old man, Acme. So a a like human. A, so, yeah, yeah. So, what was his... What was he trying to do? He just really got off on Patikate, you know? Strange man. <laughs> also, I didn't... Um, I didn't clock properly that that was Christopher Lloyd. Oh, until yeah. Until I saw his name in the credits. Like, through it, I heard... Like, I, like I've recognised that voice. I've really recognised that voice. Is it Christopher Lloyd? But I couldn't see it. I absolutely couldn't see it. And then the credit came when it was him, and I was very happy. Did you know, actually, uh, the original choice for that role was Tim Curry? Okay. You know who Tim Curry is, Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but his performance was so terrifying that uh, the producers <laughs> deemed it unwatchable for children, so they had to cast Christopher Lloyd instead. And if you think how terrifying Christopher Lloyd is in this film, because I think he is deeply yeah. disturbing in this film. He's got those eyes at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, this, this, I think this film really did traumatise a little bit as a child, because it's so intense. Mm-hmm. So how, how scary must Tim Curry have been? Yeah. That must have been really something. Oh, I'd love to see that. Mm. Oh, Tim Curry's great. He is. Wonderful. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, especially his death at the end, um, the car- Judge Doom's death at mm. the end, it's, it's so gratuitous. <laughs> also, Judge Doom. Judge Doom, yeah, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> But when he gets run over by the steamroller, it's such a gratuitous shot. Yeah. Uh, and then he melts. Oh, oh yeah, it's well, then, chilling. Then, well, then, then it's revealed that he's a toon. Yes. Like, was he always a toon? I suppose that does explain why he's playing patty cake. Yeah, he was always a toon. You don't, I don't think toons and people can swap. I don't think a toon can transition. Okay. It just seems weird that, like, a human is, is a toon that looks like a human? No, he's in a human drag. He's wearing, like, a plastic face. Oh, yeah, because, like, that's funny. Rip his goggles off something. Yeah, you never see what he really nice. looks like, which is kind of mysterious. Got it. Mm-hmm. Right, this film starts, starts starting to make a lot more sense. Not making it better <laughs> just for me. Um, just it's uh, making more sense. Philistine. Well, I'm sorry. You don't like some of the films I pick. Oh, that's true. This is, this is, <laughs> is this your 51st Dates moment? Uh, so. Maybe. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, also, I didn't really like Mario. So maybe it's just Bob Hoskins films. Yeah. Did you not like Bob Hoskins in this film, though? No, he was good. He was wonderful at yeah. this. Like, he gave <laughs> such a good performance. Yeah. Like, physic- the physicality is amazing. Mm. I know he's not doing all the backflips at that scene, obviously. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but in terms of interacting with the tunes and the way he plays it is so deadpan and mm. yeah, it's wonderful. Another interesting casting tidbit, the original choice for his role was Bill Murray. Oh, I was going <laughs> to... I was I was going to cast him in mine. Really? Like, I was going to cast Bill Murray as, as him, but I just thought, nah, I don't think anybody can replace him. So Bob Hoskins' character is not in my story. Oh, okay. But Bill Murray was my first choice. <laughs> oh, my God. It's, it's but, and, but what happened was <laughs> that 
famously, Bill Murray is very difficult to reach. He doesn't have mm. a traditional agent. I don't, I don't know how, how people are supposed to reach him in Hollywood. Apparently, it's very difficult. So anyway, they couldn't get in touch with him to ask if he wanted to play the role. Yeah. So they ended up offering it to Bob Hoskins. He does the role. He makes the film. The film comes out. It's a mm-hmm. huge success. And apparently, after the film came out, there was an interview with the producers in Variety magazine that Bill Murray was sat in a bar reading the magazine and they mentioned the fact that they wanted him first but couldn't get him and apparently he screamed in the middle of the bar and he did a whole kind of no because he was so upset because he would have loved to have done that film oh. so yeah he lost out there big time wow yeah. what just because he had a bad agent or something he doesn't have an agent I don't, I don't know what his, his deal is but he's very supposed to be very eccentric and very hard to get, get in touch with but there's something yeah they just couldn't reach him so you're a professional actor. Just get yourself an agent. Well, it seems to be working out for him, you know. Well, Aside from that one glaring incident when it didn't. That we know of. Yeah, who knows what else he's missed out on. Yeah, yeah. He, maybe he was supposed to be uh, Luke Skywalker. Who knows? He could, have, could have been in Schindler's List. He could have been in anything. You don't yeah. know. Yeah. But I did. I thought he was Could have been Harry Potter. He could have been. <laughs> Imagine if he was Dumbledore. <laughs> wow, would you great. Would you not watch that a million times? Oh. <laughs> that would have some good casting. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, that'd be good. But yeah, I thought Bob Hoskins was absolutely fantastic in this. Yeah, yeah. Did the plot make sense to you? I think so. It felt like it was both super thin, but also needlessly complicated. Go on. Because what was Chris... How would you sum up Judge Doom's motivation? Didn't like tunes. Because... He was a tune. Yeah. What? And there's the whole thing about how he wanted to build a freeway, which seemed really oh, arbitrary. I, lo- I, lo- I love that. Okay, you enjoy... Villain you... wants to build a road, destroy some stuff. <laughs> that, that, that's it. That's the one positive you took out of this film. Just uh, the, the road building subplot was where you really were like, yeah, this I can relate to. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. A construction plan of epic proportions. We are calling it a freeway. Freeway? What the hell's a freeway? Eight lanes of shimmering cement running from here to Pasadena. Smooth, safe, fast. Traffic jams will be a thing of the past. So that's why you killed that new maroon? For this freeway? I don't get it. Of course not. You lack vision. I see a place where people get on and off the freeway. On and off, off and on, all day, all night. Soon. Where Toontown once stood will be a string of gas stations, inexpensive motels, restaurants that serve rapidly prepared food, tire salons, automobile dealerships, and wonderful, wonderful billboards reaching as far as the eye can see. My God, it'll be beautiful. And (laughs) the weasels, what was in it for the weasels? Yeah, I was confused by that as well. Like, surely you can see this is... You're you're basically assisting genocide of your own own kind. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't understand how the only thing that can kill a tune is dip and laughter. Oh, I missed the laughter bit. What? The weasels laughed themselves to death. Oh, yeah, they did. But I couldn't figure out if they were dead, dead in the same way that that poor shoe is dead. Yeah. Or whether they, they were just, just cartoon dead. Yeah, because the then they have the, the ghosts and the angels. The, 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 shoe, the shoe didn't have any cartoons. Yeah, the shoe the, was dead. dead. Ghost, sorry. So maybe the weasels were just kind of cartoon dead and briefly incapacitated and would yeah. be back. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, the, I guess the shoe scene is a classic you have to see as a kid because that is one of those things that has haunted me. <laughs> as, like that poor shoe meeting that horrible, grim, bleak death. It is horrifying. Mm. You, know, you don't seem like you're particularly bothered by the dead shoe. Well, not as much as you seem to be. <laughs> Again, you have to see these things as a child. For our listeners, uh, John's got tears streaming down his face right now. (laughs) 
Since I've had Toontown under my jurisdiction, my goal has been to rein in the insanity. And the only way to do that is to make Toons respect the law. What's that? Remember how we always thought there wasn't a way to kill a toon? Well, Doom found the way. Turpentine, acetone, benzene. He calls it the dip. I'll catch the rabbit, Mr. Valiant. Then I'll try him, convict him, and execute him. Kid gloves, Mr. Valiant. Yeah, was there another shoe? Is that shoe now lonely? <laughs> That's a good point. What was it? Is it an odd shoe? Doug, oh, God, that's even sadder. <laughs> <laughs> like a shoe wife or something. Yeah. Oh, God, that's a horrible for us. Um, yeah, again, but I think that's the kind of thing where you, your imagination as a child kind mm-hmm. of feeds into these kind of things because just the idea of this poor shoe meeting this horrible fate was mm-hmm. really, yeah, really quite upsetting. Mm-hmm. Probably my top five most upsetting cartoon moments. Top five? Come on, come move, on, move faster, move faster. What's move faster's death? Number one is that? Uh, oh gosh. So move faster. I'm gonna try and name five, and then we'll see if there's another. So move faster's death would definitely be up there. The shoe, Watership Down throughout. Uh, there's a film called The Plague Dogs, in which in which two dogs die horrible deaths. Um, uh, there's got to be more upsetting Disney moments. Uh, Bambi and the Fox in the Hand. Yes. Uh, oh yeah, Bambi's mother. I don't feel like that upset me that much, though. No, I, wa- I, I watched it this weekend, just gone. Yeah. Um, and uh, that scene is really short. Yeah. The whole bit of when she's, you're scared that somebody's going to get shot, and then she gets shot, and then the next scene he's like gone over and just never mentioned it again. <laughs> that whole thing is like 30 seconds. It's nothing. Well, I guess that's Like, speaks... it's a pivotal moment mm. in cinema history. Mm-hmm. It's gone so quickly. Also, that film, there is no plot. <laughs> like, watch it yeah. now as an adult. There is no plot to that film whatsoever. Yeah, like, I guess that's true. Deer gets born, and he is just kind of interested by the world around him. That's pretty much it. his mum dies at some point. <laughs> that's true. There's no, there's not really any kind of any goal in that film, is there? No. Just... Oh, and all the characters um... mate. Yeah, yeah. It's just a set. It's just basically a sex film. Yeah. <laughs> what other there must be other obsessing Disney moments I'm, I'm missing though. What other... But I think I think maybe Mufasa. Maybe again, that's my number one. Yeah, that's a pretty tough one. But the shoes up there. The shoes more Toy upsetting. Story 3. There you go. Like, I was an adult watching that, but it still got me. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's a strong one because it got adults as well. Yeah. I think it, maybe it was more moving for adults because it's about like the putting aside childish things kind of as well. Mm. So, yeah. But specifically, a lot of the ones that upset you as children are related. They play with the fear of parental death, like mm-hmm. Mufasa, for example, in the Bambi, you know. So this shoe was up there with all those things you just mentioned. The shoe was very much a father figure to me. Wow. I was very much saw that shoe as an yeah, extension. This, fil- this film is a lot uh, stronger for you than it is for me. <laughs> I apologise for some of the things I've said. <laughs> okay, well, will you allow me to ruin it some more for you? Go ahead. Okay, so it's, I'm my, braced. it's my turn first, and it's called Who Framed Dodger Rabbit? Who Framed Dodger Rabbit? Mm-hmm. Okay. Dodger is Roger's son. Oh, okay. This is a film that is set however many years later we are now. Well, it was released in the 1980s, but it's set in the 1940s. Oh, man. Is this, this is all about this. Thing. But I don't think Toon's age, so I don't think it matters. Uh, this one definitely matters. Okay, it's set in present day 2017. Uh-huh. For whatever reason, Dodger is only Roger's son. Okay. And the film starts uh, with another cartoon okay. of Dodger Rabbit 
Uh, what's her name again? Uh, Jessica? No, 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 no. Uh, I've read that. Lola Bunny from Space Jam. Oh, okay. Who knew Space Jam was such a pivotal childhood movie for you? <laughs> I'm just trying to think of other movies with cartoons okay. in them. <laughs> There's one. Yeah. And so it's a cartoon playing out between those two. So this is kind of mirroring how the original opens with uh, an actual cartoon. Mm-hmm. And we have Tartar walking down the street and he sees Lola across the street. And... Are we in Toontown or regular Humanville? Uh, we're in, well, it's a set. Okay. Oh, okay. But but it's it's all cartoon at this point. Okay. He sees her across the across the street, and his eyes pop out of his head. He's like, "Oh my god, sexy rabbit!" What did sort Lola Bunny look like? I can't remember. A very sexy rabbit. Okay. <laughs> L- look her up. Okay. Uh, <laughs> he says that a little bit too emphatically. I'm a little bit concerned. <laughs> and so the the tune plays out that he's just running down the street trying to find a way to cross the road, but in the meantime he's bumping into loads of things, he's falling in bins. Classic and, comedy. Yeah, there's that kind of old-style comedy, sort oh. of slapstick kind of thing. And then eventually he gets to her, and he's standing in front of her, and he's panting, and then he gets shy and can't talk to her. And Is he Twitter-pated? Essentially. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she kisses him on the cheek, mm-hmm. he goes red and faints. Is this your first ever romance plotline? After all those weeks of avoiding it studiously, have you finally managed to work in a romance? Uh, yeah, I think I have, actually. Oh, yeah. Wow, well done. I was saying I should, didn't I? Uh, well, that's that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> now it's over. Yeah. Never to be spoken of again. Yeah. Uh, the director shouts cut, mm-hmm. and we zoom out, exactly the same as before, where we zoom out and we see that it's in the real world. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this one, none of the humans there are very enthusiastic at all. Half the crew are just on their phones. We clearly see smartphones just to kind of set the time. Okay. Bit of product and, placement as well. This film is brought to you by Apple. Of course. Yeah. And we see that the uh, the studio is a bit run down. Mm-hmm. A lot of things that are broken, things are covered in dust. There's old old equipment there. And it's just not lo- not looking very good at all. Dodger then walks to his trailer, who he actually has to share with two other actors from different tunes for budgetary reasons. Okay. And they have a conversation about how it's not like it was back in the day, you know, like it's Are these tunes anyone in particular? Um I hadn't thought about that. Okay. So yeah, maybe. I don't know. Old, old, old. Um, it's not like it was back in the day. and You know, tunes don't make any money these days. It's, it's quite a hard life. And, you know, it's not so bad for you, Doctor, because, you know, your dad was quite famous. And then the director walks in and says, uh, I'm sorry to say, Doctor, that uh, the show has been cancelled. Um, you are out of a job. Oh, no. So he's very unhappy. Mm-hmm. Just walks off somebody. Um, and that's the end of the intro. Okay. Really. So the scene had been set that animations are now the big thing they're what make money tunes nobody's got any time for tunes as it when you say animation do you mean um like computer cgi cgi CGI. computer animations okay like toy story yes stuff like that and so roger walks off and do you mean dodger (laughs) this is gonna happen this is my fault (laughs) uh dodger walks off and uh, we see like a few animations just around the place Mm -hmm. um might be some recognizable faces there okay Um, maybe we've got woody maybe we've got uh some of the crew from Ice Age, stuff oh, okay. like that. And they're all real in this world as well, then? Yes. Okay. I mean, as animations. Yeah, but I mean, they're, they're in the sense that in the original film, the cartoons were ostensibly real, quote-unquote, people, and they were interacting mm-hmm. with human beings. They weren't just... Okay, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So Woody, exactly Woody like from that. Toy Story is a character in this film. Not necessarily a made one, but he is a person who lives in this world and mm-hmm. has a life. Okay, cool. Yeah. So Dodger goes to a bar to sort of drink off his sorrows um, about losing his job and how his career is going nowhere because... What's he drinking? He's, he's a tune and he can't get anywhere. 
Um, he's just drinking like juice or something. He's not um, drinking whiskey. No, he's not drinking whiskey. So he's not going to have that reaction. No. no. Okay. <laughs> and so then the police come in and arrest him, and he has no idea what this is about because obviously he's done nothing. Yeah. And they say that they're suspecting him because he just got fired today. Somebody has gone around and vandalized all the Pixar sets. Oh, okay. They've not just vandalized all the Pixar sets. Uh, there's been a murder. But they led with the vandalism and then... And also someone's been killed. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the kids. It's well, I guess it's the yeah, thing. Or, or maybe it's for the people who enjoyed Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I don't know. Yeah. And uh, it turns out the person who's been killed is a three-time Andy winner. Um, Andy's are the tune covering of Oscars. Uh, okay. Nice. Uh, nice. Three-time Andy winner Buzz Lightyear. <gasps> no. Has been murdered. Who'd kill Buzz? Who knows? Okay. Probably, probably not Dodger. No, <laughs> Um, Unless it's a very short movie. Yeah. And so Dodger then quickly grabs the guys next to him, his his whiskey, mm-hmm. takes oh, a shot of whiskey. Oh, he does the whiskey thing. And does the whiskey thing. Okay. Where he just kind of loses control and then as, as a distraction, um, manages to escape and run away. Okay. Yeah. So Dodger then goes home. He's actually living with his parents. Roger and Jessica. Yes, Roger and Jessica. Have the years been kind? Oh yeah, the tunes. The tunes age. They have, no, they haven't aged yet. So far. the tunes. The tunes either are they immortal? I wondered that too. Unless they get dipped, they just live forever. I guess so. In 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 my yeah, because yeah. Betty Boop was still yeah. Out and... I I assumed so for my storyline that they were essentially ageless and immortal. So yeah. so you're doing a sequel as well then? Yes, yes <laughs> very much so. So he goes to his parents' house and asks his dad for some advice. To which he says, "Oh yeah, this well, this is the guy who helped me. Maybe you could track him down and uh, see if he'll help you as well." Is this Eddie Valiant? Uh, that would be Eddie Valiant, yeah. Okay. Very old at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so he goes, there's an address on his business card that, okay. he, that he's been given. He goes there, knocks on the door, and who answers? It is, in fact, his son, Teddy Valiant. Teddy. <laughs> really imaginative naming in this, uh, <laughs> in this sequel. Yeah. And is the son, like, 70? <laughs> um, well, let's just say the son is... I don't know. I've cast him as Neil Patrick Harris. Okay, I like because I think that he'd work really well in a, in, a, in a cartoon world. He would. He'd be very. Good. If they ever remade this film or something, he would be great. Yeah, yeah he would. He's not playing Bob Hoskins' character. No, he's but... playing his son. Yeah, Teddy. Okay. Um, they look very similar, to be fair. So. Yeah, <laughs> and then he went with Jared Leto, but playing oh, no. Bob Hoskins' okay. his character, as in uh, just going all method and uh, Jared Completely. Leto. Completely. Okay, I can see so that. Sort of saying like this film will come out in twenty twenty five when Jared Leto is finished with his method. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I'm not going that route. And so, yeah, Dodger explains what's going on to Teddy. And Teddy is uh, actually an up-and-coming detective. Okay. Um, and so, like, oh, this is a good case. This, this, this case could be really good for me. So the two of them start, that they embark on a mission to try and work out who did it. Who framed Dodger Rabbit. Mm-hmm. What if they just say the title? Do they say, do they say it in the original? Anyway? I don't think that anyone ever actually says who framed Dodger Rabbit, no. I know, it's one of those things that they should. Yeah. I love it when films do that. And so they have a look around some of the sets. They go they go to Pixar Studios and they look around the sets to see what has been what's been destroyed and what clues they can find. Are they gonna like have run ins with pick classic Pixar characters? Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah. They, yeah. It's gonna be run ins with all kinds of characters. Obviously I haven't thought to do anything like where Pixar gets the same amount of screen time as DreamWorks or no. something. <laughs> but I don't know, DreamWorks has got no good characters. And so Shrek. <sighs> I like Shrek. I'm not a huge fan, but I'm, he's like the iconic DreamWorks yeah, character. True. Well, they're done others, I think. 
And so they've had a look around these sets. They've taken loads of photos and then they go back to Teddy's office and they put up loads of pins on the wall and they start mm. connecting with string and stuff. They've essentially got a guess who board okay. of loads of different characters. Classic police procedural style. Yeah. Well, we have a list. Okay. So the characters that are on here are everybody who is confirmed by the police because Teddy can access police files as detective. Okay. Confirmed by the police to have no alibi on the night of. Okay. So we have Ooh. Woody, Jesse, Dory, Nemo, <laughs> Nemo's dad, Mike and Sully from Monsters, Inc., Lightning McQueen and Gator from Cars, uh, the old man and the boy from Up, <laughs> <laughs> Wally, Gru and the Minions, Shrek, Fiona, Elsa and Anna from Frozen, Sid and Manny from Ice Age, the whole cast of Madagascar. This is a lot of suspects to will for. <laughs> yeah. Kung Fu Panda, uh, Judy and Nick from Zootopia, Megamind and Puss in Boots. Okay. Okay. Quick question: mm. How exactly are Nemo, Dory, and Nemo's dad, whose name I also can't remember now, uh, Marlin? I think Marlin. How are they like existing in this world? Well, uh, are they just? I'm. Are they just in a tank being carried around? How? Would they, how would they? I mean, they're just constantly doing that thing they did in Finding Dory, just jumping around like okay. ridiculous ways to stay in water. I'm kind of ha- trying to imagine how a fish would kill Buzz Lightyear. Well, they get ruled out pretty quickly. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yes, and so uh, by looking at the photos, they can see that most of the damage was done by somebody who would be quite strong. Mm-hmm. Like there's a few holes in walls and stuff like that, which you know rules out a lot of the weaker people. And so from those people, it actually rules out a very significant amount. Mm-hmm. We still have Kung Fu Panda, we have Gator from Cars, and we have Shrek and Fiona. I haven't seen Cars. Is Gator just a car? Uh, he's like a pickup car. Okay. Um, I've not seen it either, but I know a weirdly large amount. Okay. Anyway. So, yeah, that was Kung Fu Panda, Gator, Shrek and Fiona. Okay. They then rule out Gator because he doesn't. there's no tyre tracks anywhere. Okay. How would he have got around without leaving tyre tracks anywhere? So they have to go and interview all three of those characters. Mm-hmm. They go to Kung Fu Panda. They instantly work out he's way too stupid to have done this. <laughs> he, can't, he, he can't do anything without getting instantly distracted. He's not going to have gone around and destroyed like 10 sets and murdered somebody. He keeps getting this murder. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I'm getting a real a disturbing sense of your priorities at the moment. Yeah. Shrek and Fiona actually live together. They got together after filming the first Shrek movie. Um, yeah, so they go and they knock, and Fiona's there. Uh, Shrek is not. Okay. Turns out she has not seen Shrek since the night of, or since uh, yeah, okay. the afternoon of. And so, like, oh, okay, probably Shrek then. Yeah. They ask Fiona for a bit of an alibi, and uh, she says that she was actually out with Jesse from Toy Story that evening. <laughs> uh, they were out clubbing. Um, is Jesse from Toy Story the same size? So I'm, I'm trying to think of scale, because Fiona's like an ogre, and Jesse's a toy. Uh, yeah, they are different sizes. So are they clubbing, <laughs> like, and she just comes up to her ankle? Because uh, I love that image. No, Jesse's probably bigger, I think. Okay, let's make them like, vaguely the same size. Oh, that's less fun. We're fine. Okay. <laughs> And, yeah, so they say that's not enough of an alibi. And so Fiona says, okay, well, we did actually both uh, get with some people. Um, Is Fiona and, are Fiona and Shrek in an open relationship? Well, I, I got with... I'm talking for Fiona now. Um, I got with uh, Mike Wazowski from Monsters, Inc. <laughs> um, I can see that, actually. And they were like, who did Jesse get with? <laughs> um, like, oh, she got with... Uh, she's not proud, but she got with the old man from Up. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, we've all been there, Jesse. We've all had that <laughs> night. <laughs> yeah. It's late, you've had a bit of a drink, your self-esteem's low. He's at the bar. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So, uh, yeah. So, uh, Teddy and Dodger, they, uh, they're like, well, that's, uh, great. Um, right, we're going to go. We're going to go and find Shrek. Um, <laughs> hope you, uh, have, have, have a good evening. And so they start trying to try down Shrek. First of all, they go to Donkey's house because they know that they're their okay. mates outside of the film. Okay. Outside of the films. And Donkey says, yeah, I did actually see him. Uh, I think it was the morning after this all happened. He was just, just sitting in the swamp set from the film. But he was barely saying anything. He just seemed quite unhappy. Um, and they were like, why didn't we check the swamp set? That's obvious. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where they go. Um, at this point, they think that they're pretty sure he's going to be there, so Teddy calls back up. Yeah. Um, Teddy can call the police. He doesn't say that he's working with Dodger, because Dodger is still wanted at this point, okay. obviously. So Dodger hangs back a little bit, and the rest of them go to the set, where they do find Shrek. And he is just sitting there. He's very unhappy, and he explains that, well, nobody likes my movies anymore. Oh. This is why I did this. I, I, just, I just can't stand that nobody likes my movies anymore. It's just driving me crazy. And he just surrenders himself. And they arrest him. He's gone. It's a sad moment, but mm. that's that's it. Oh, poor Shrek. And so then uh, they announce that uh, Dodger is no longer wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, Teddy opens up that he was working with Dodger the whole time. And the two of them, uh, the two of them become heroes. They get newspaper newspaper articles written about them and everything. It's great. Then cut three months later, and Dodger is at the premiere of a feature film that he's just been in. Which has done really well. Mm-hmm. It's done well because of the fame of yeah, okay, help, helping solve that case. Teddy's... And is the feature film a retelling of that story? Is it? Is it actually who framed? Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Talk. Yes, yes, it is that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the film can be Who Framed Dodger Rabbit. Yeah, there you go. The film within a film. And the film will close with the title. Yeah, that's it. Okay. So yeah. thoughts, questions. Yeah. Yeah, like it. Uh, a few questions. So you say I really want to go back to Jesse having sex with the old guy from up. <laughs> I knew that would be your thing. Yeah. So are they? Is it sex, sex, or is, are we still talking patty cake? It's probably patty cake, shouldn't it? That, that would uh, that would raise less questions. I, I I I really want to explore the questions. Though. I really want to dig deep into uh, what was going on between those two. Okay, it was patty cake. Just to stop you from asking any more weird questions. Oh, <laughs> fine. And who did you feel, who was Fiona with again? She pulled... Oh, the guy from Monsters, Inc. Oh, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Cool. Okay. So... kind of monsters. Yeah, yeah. So is Eddie Valiant dead in this, then? Uh, Yes, he is. He is, okay, cool. And Roger Rabbit and Jessica Rabbit are just kind of brief cameos. They're not really a part of it, particularly. Pretty much, yeah. Okay. Oh, and I forgot to mention, uh, Dodger did eventually then get with Lola Rabbit. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, once again, you dropped that romantic narrative real fast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay, another question. Not not great with the romance. No. (laughs) Is... Roger Dodger Rabbit, the biological son of Jessica and Roger. Uh, yeah. So does he have elements of both? It's a little more human looking, maybe. I was thinking, is he like a rabbit with enormous boobs and an enormous arse, or is he? I mean, he's male, so he's probably not going to have uh, enormous boobs. I'm just, well, I'm just thinking, what aspects of Jessica would? I'm trying to imagine the two if the <laughs> yeah. two did have a baby. There's not much more to her than those yeah. two things. Well, it's funny. Like, do you remember on our Inception episode when I did that whole runner about how teenage boys would have dreams where they were just bo- about boobs on legs? I was trying to blot, blot out of my memory. <laughs> but don't you think that Jessica Rabbit is is just that? She's just literally boobs and legs. That's a good point. She has no torso. Yeah. She's just her legs go right up and then her boobs start, and that's all she is. What a so. weird way to draw a character. Well, they were charged with drawing the most. Like the the the, sex, the ultimate male sexual fantasy. Well, true, but maybe it was a male ultimate male sexual fantasy for uh, the forties. Yeah. Um, let me see if I can 
show you a picture of Lola Bunny. Oh, okay. Um, uh, <laughs> a real dame. We'll see. <laughs> there we go. Look at that. Oh, okay. Right, I see. So now you can see what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah. She just... Yeah, I get it. Yeah. No, I think that's a good idea. I think it's um, definitely a sellable idea. Mm-hmm. And I like the fact that you've kind of paid homage to the original by bringing in all the new people. Mm. Uh, yeah, I think it'd be fun. So once again, you've done a very plausible one. Yes. Um, and one of my rare sequels. Yes, you did a direct sequel. So. No crossovers. Well, I suppose the entire thing is a crossover. Yeah, the, the whole, it's predicated <laughs> on crossovers. Yeah, but but yeah, no, no particular genre twist. Spider-Man just, wasn't in this one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No? Very good. Cool, cool. All right. so, so I've also done a sequel. As is often the case, this might be slightly harder to sell, but I'll let you be the judge. So it's going to be like super adult. My sequel is called Who Framed Roger Rabbit 2? The Melancholy Death of Baby Herman. Oh my god. <laughs> with it, like straight away with a death. Oh yeah. god. So, we open in a crack den. Okay. <laughs> okay, who's this for again? My weekly question. <laughs> who is the Well, I was thinking that watching the original film, I was like, who is this for? Because it's kind of for kids, but it's kind of dark and full of sex and drugs. Yeah, but drug kids references. can watch it, but then adults can get other stuff out of it. Yeah. Yours Kids can't watch that. I, I think kids can watch this. Kids can't watch what I'm guessing is going to be somebody dying in a crack den. Well, let me explain. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, first of all, let, let's go back a little bit. I want to talk about my inspiration for this. Because, yeah. as, as you know, I often take inspiration for other things that I'm watching. What, crack dens and death? Crack dens and death, yeah. Well, my kind of loose inspiration for this is, because basically the star of my sequel is Jessica. Mm-hmm. She is, she's the star central character in this. And I kind of wanted to do kind of a film noir style detective sequel mm-hmm. which is what this is going to be as you'll see um so yeah. i kind of it's kind of in, almost informed a little bit by jessica jones it's like okay. jessica yeah. rabbit as jessica jones kind of thing there's this kind of because uh, i've been watching that show recently on your advice yeah. and enjoying it a lot um so and this idea of this kind of isolated female character who's kind of you know hard had a hard life and she's seen some shit and now she's you know she's a de- hard-beating detective so mm-hmm. that's kind of my the vibe i'm going for so mm-hmm. imagine that if you're trying to imagine who it's for it's for that kind of audience i would imagine, yeah. I'd say so as i say we open in a crack den and the crack den is filled with tunes and it's run by betty boop whose life has only continues to go downhill since the first movie so she's out of waitressing and now she's just running a full-blown crack den and brothel oh god <laughs> <laughs> now uh, and we so we start with a voiceover from jessica uh, which brings us up to date on the current situation which is that much like in your film, hand-drawn animation is out. It's dead. Nobody likes it anymore. And as such, all, the Toontown has fallen into extreme poverty and mm-hmm. degradation because uh, with nobody paying attention to them anymore, because the first film, well, the film, Roger explains that Toons thrive on making people laugh. It's their mm-hmm. purpose for being. And if, if they don't have that purpose, they have no purpose. Yeah. So because nobody's watching these old cartoons anymore, these cartoons have no purpose and they've sunk into deep, deep depression. And so Toontown has gone from being a place filled with uh, laughter and song to a place filled with gang violence and hard drug use. So that's what's going on here. So, in our opening scene, Jessica arrives at the crack den uh, looking for Roger, mm-hmm. who is now her ex-husband. Oh, Yeah, sorry, they broke up. No surprise. And so she finds him in the darkened corner, shooting up. <laughs> and what he's shooting up with, instead of heroin, because much like the original film, you need to, I feel like you need to exchange real-world things for cartoon things mm-hmm. just to make it kid-friendly. Mm-hmm. So this is so instead of shooting up with heroin, he's shooting up with dip. Like diluted dip. Wow. Yeah. So apparently in very small doses, it's highly addictive and produces big highs. But much like heroin, it's also extremely dangerous and will ultimately kill you. So essentially, that boot melted in a pool of heroin. Yes. What a way to go. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. That, that does give me some 
a little bit of comfort when I think about that poor thing. <laughs> At least it was high when it happened. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, she finds Roger, uh, who is mainlining Dip, basically. That's yeah. what's going on now. And she's arrived to tell him that their old friend, Baby Herman, has died. Mm-hmm. You remember Baby Herman mm-hmm. being the foul-mouthed, sex-crazed baby from the original film? Yes. Yes. Very disturbing. Did you clock the scene where he walks under the woman's legs and like literally looks up at her vagina? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of sexual harassment with that around that character. Very of its time. Anyway, she walks into this crack den, finds Roger, shoots it up, and says, Roger, I've just come to tell you, baby Herman is dead. Now, Roger is half-melted from mm-hmm. all the dip use, so that's how he's aged, basically. All using the dip has caused his features to blur and melt. Oh, cool. Yeah. And so, like, but that would look really scary. It would look horrifying, yeah. Is that actually look how it looks? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, he's half-melted, and he's barely responsive. He's, he's really in the grip of dip addiction, basically. You know, I'm glad I didn't actually really enjoy this film, because <laughs> you'd have ruined it for me by now. <laughs> you know I like to do that every week. So, <laughs> so yeah, he's a shadow of his former self, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, so his only response is to ask if Baby Herman left him any money, because he mm-hmm. needs money for his next hit, which he did not. So she tells him no, and she leaves. And then we have like a film noirish kind of voiceover, again, maybe similar to Jessica Jones, mm-hmm. where she explains that saving Roger from Judge Doom was the easy part. Mm-hmm. The hard part was saving him from himself. <laughs> <laughs> Cheesy. Yeah. So Jessica is not a drug addict. Mm-hmm. She is, uh, instead, she's scraping together in existence as a private detective. Mm-hmm. Again, Jessica Jones style. And in, in, then we have a flashback where we find out how she discovered that baby Herman was dead. And that is that Baby Herman's current nanny... Oh, by the way, we're set in 2017, I should have mentioned. Oh, yeah, okay. So, like, 60 years have passed, but tunes don't age traditionally. So the only reason Roger's in a bad way is because mm-hmm. he's, you know, he's a dip Be- addict. Yeah. Hey, so, basically, Baby Herman's nanny, current mm-hmm. nanny, is obviously a different nanny because it's been 60 years, but his current nanny comes to Jessica and says that Baby Herman's been found dead of an apparent dip overdose, but she doesn't buy it. Because she said Herman was clean, he was rebuilding his life and rebuilding his career. And in fact, mm-hmm. he was one of the only tunes at the time of his death who was still working consistently. Mm-hmm. So... On what? I'm going to explain. Yeah. But he was, he was still making a living as an actor, basically. And he was mm-hmm. clean and his life was getting together. And she just didn't believe that he was doing dip at that time. She thinks it was, it's, someone's killed him, basically. And in fact, such was his success that he just signed a major publishing deal to write a book about the last days of Toontown. And uh, he's got a big advance in it. And the nanny's convinced that the reason he's been killed is that somebody didn't want that book to be written. Mm-hmm. And she asks Jessica to investigate. Mm-hmm. So Jessica agrees to help and she begins her investigation. Now, the first thing that she does is retrace Baby Herman's recent activities. So he'd recently been playing a recurring role on the TV show Family Guy. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So the first thing she does is visit the Family Guy set and interview the cast. Yeah. Oh, God, this one's going to go rude and awful. Yeah. So in this universe, the successful human style <coughs> cartoons live in Hollywood. Because mm-hmm. I feel like they're the only cartoons that do well now with these kind of. Mm, yeah. They're not like wacky, crazy animal cart- antics cartoons. They're just basically humans. Yeah. But hand drawn. So they live in Hollywood and they really look down on the old fashioned Jessica Rabbit, Roger Rabbit style cartoons. Mm-hmm. And they're actually quite racist towards them. There's a real kind of like. Of course they are. Yeah, there's like undertones of that. So, oh, I forgot to mention, I, in, in mine, I was getting all the original voice actors to come back for all their roles because most of mine are all quite modern ish things. Okay. Are you getting Seth MacFarlane to do Family Guy? Yes. Good. Absolutely, Good. yeah. So we're going to get a scene with Peter and Brian kind of sexually harassing Jessica. <laughs> We're going to get Lois being a complete bitch to Jessica. Oh, no. that, and it's going, to be, it's going to be fun, you know. So that happens. And ultimately, she discovers that the Family Guy cast have no reason to want Baby Herman dead. It's a dead end, basically. Mm-hmm. But while she's interviewing Stewie, who was his closest castmate, mm-hmm. Stewie does let slip that Baby Herman, before his death, was having an affair behind the nanny's back. Right. 
Right. But Stewie doesn't know who he had the affair with. He just knew that Stewie, that Herman was banging some other broad, basically. Mm-hmm. So Jessica is back to the nanny and says, I need to see baby Herman's phone. And the nanny claims she doesn't know where it is. It disappeared. But Jessica doesn't doesn't buy it. She right. senses lies or efforts. So she pushes and she pushes and eventually the nanny breaks down and she admits that she's been hiding some information from Jessica and she's been hiding the phone because she wants to protect baby Herman's image from being further damaged. He's already, you know, been caught up in a scandal, being found dead of mm-hmm. an apparent drug overdose. She didn't want even more disturbing information about him coming to light because mm-hmm. there is some disturbing information yeah. which is now revealed. So she reluctantly gives Jessica the phone and Jessica looks at the phone and discovers that it's full of porn. But it's not just full of any porn. It's full of Muppet porn. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Can you describe what Muppet porn is, please? It's just felt fun. Whatever your mind goes to with Muppet porn. So we're talking, yeah. So, but there's more. She also, the nanny also admits that among Baby Herman's possessions, she found a sex tape that he'd made with the most famous Muppet of them all, Miss Piggy. So Baby Herman and Miss Piggy have a sex tape. Why is Miss Piggy always the sexual... Well, she, there's only two female Muppets. There's Miss Piggy and there's um, Janice. And Miss Piggy's just more iconic, so... To be fair, I only know Miss Piggy. Janice was the, is the one who's like, Hey, man. She's got the big lips and she's kind of yellowish. No? Nope. She's in the band. Nope. Y- you're not really a Muppets fan, are you? Nope. Mm, okay, fine. So I don't, I don't like fun. Sorry? I don't like fun. You don't like fun. We've established this, yeah. So anyway, so Baby Herman, before he died, at some point before he died, made a sex tape with Miss Piggy. So okay. now Miss Piggy's immediately... Suspect number one. Yeah. So, she's also still a big star because the Muppets are still famous to yeah, this day. Yeah. They're still making films and they've weathered time more successfully than the hand drawns for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. So, Jessica goes straight to Miss Piggy, brings her in for questioning and accuses her of killing Baby Herman to protect her own image. And Piggy reluctantly admits that the sex tape is in fact real. Mm-hmm. It's a real thing. But she claims it was filmed many, many years ago and she's not actually seen or spoken to Baby Herman in years before he died. Mm-hmm. So, she has a complete alibi. And just as it's, so it seems like Jessica's reached a dead end once again. But just when she's kind of giving up hope, she receives an anonymous call from a mysterious high-voiced figure claiming that she's on the right track and she needs to meet her in an underground car park where she will be able to learn more. Mm-hmm. So again, we're setting up a classic kind of detective film noir, you know, shadowy figures in car parks, you know, yeah. thing. So she goes to this car park at the allotted time at midnight and she's met with Lisa Simpson. <laughs> I don't know if you should have wasted to stop drinking your drink before. Yeah, I nearly spelled that out on all, all of her equipment. Um, <laughs> okay, well, do, I was, do I was, carry on. I was thinking, like, what cartoons are still around today? I wanted to bring them all in, so yeah, yeah, you'd yeah. think they'd interact. So, Lisa Simpson. Yeah. And Lisa explains to Jessica <clears throat> that she's getting very close to the truth, mm-hmm. and there's a cover-up at work that everyone's in on, and it goes right the way to the top. And everyone's afraid to speak out. Who's at the top? Well, we're going to find out. Great. So. <laughs> but she, everyone's afraid to speak out. But Lisa Simpson, being Lisa Simpson, she's a truth seeker. She mm-hmm. believes in justice. So she's going to tell Jessica so that Jessica can expose this whole rotten thing for, mm-hmm. for what it really is. So just as she's about to say more, she's shot in the head with a dip-laced bullet. Right. Wow. <laughs> okay. So Lisa Simpson killed immediately. Yeah, it's a, it's a horrifying moment. You can't kill Lisa? Well, I did. Oh my god. You can kill a shoe, you can kill Lisa Simpson. As she falls dead to the ground, Jessica sees a shadowy, a masked figure with even more ridiculous physical proportions than her own running away, running around the corner. So she gives chase. I think I know who this might be. Really? Do you carry on? Okay, I'm intrigued to know who you think he might be. <laughs> so she chases this masked figure and she manages to catch up to her and pulls off the mask. Big reveal. It is Kim Kardashian. Oh. Is that who you thought it was going to be? No, I thought it was Rick from Rick and Morty. Oh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I 
No, because it's the proportions, the big bo- the big bum and the big boobs and... Okay, sure, yeah. yeah. So it's Kim Kardashian. Yeah. So Jessica's like, Kim Kardashian, why are you running around killing toons? And <laughs> at which point Kim Kardashian starts laughing maniacally, mm-hmm. getting higher and higher pitched. And then she pulls off her Kim Kardashian face mask and reveals her true form, Princess Jasmine from Aladdin. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. I'm aware, that Back in. <laughs> I'm aware that we're getting quite a lot of uh, big reveals at this point. It's just one thing after another. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. So, Princess Jasmine explains what's going on. So, that much like all the other tunes, she fell on hard times when Hamdrawn went out of style. Because mm-hmm. now all the kids want to see is Princess Anna from Frozen. You know, mm-hmm. nobody cares about Aladdin anymore. And so, like so many others, you know, with times being hard, she ended up falling into prostitution. And... In fact, all the Disney princesses at that point were selling cheap, and even toon porn soon became unprofitable, because mm-hmm. people just weren't interested. So, inspired by Judge Doom in the original film, mm. she began disguising herself as a human to get better paid porn work, yeah. better paid sex work, basically. Yeah. Because people would rather have sex with a human than a toon. Mm. So, she ended up making a sex tape with a human rapper that ended up going viral and relaunching her career, <laughs> which is obviously what happened to Kim Kardashian. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! It's a little bit complicated, but we're gonna get we're gonna get we're on the home stretch now. We're gonna get there. Yeah, yeah. So Princess to recap, Princess Jasmine from Aladdin disguised mm. as Kim Kardashian mm. made a sex tape with Ray J, yeah. became famous as a reality TV star. Yeah. Okay. So, so the, the, this video, this sex tape goes viral, mm-hmm. make, launches her into the stratosphere once again. And having been famous before as Princess Jasmine, she was addicted to the fame. She, you know, she she mm-hmm. had her fame back. So she decided to start living as a human full time. Mm-hmm. And it turns out the entire Kardashian clan, all those, you know, her sisters and brothers and mum and dad mm-hmm. and all that, are in fact Disney characters in human drag. It's this whole racket. Well, the entire well, reality TV... Makes sense. Yeah, the entire reality TV market is just toons dressed as people. <laughs> okay. And in fact, Kanye West is actually flounder from The Little Mermaid in a robot suit. <laughs> my, reason <for> th- <laughs> my reason for that being to pay homage to the episode of South Park in which um, Kanye West is a gay fish. Oh, right. Sure. Yeah. And so the idea is it's very easy for all these cartoons to live the lie because in the age of Instagram and extreme plastic surgery, Mm -hmm. most reality TV stars are half cartoon anyway or appear to be half cartoon. (laughs) So that's where, that's the the internal logic. Wow, this is uh, quite the motive you've got here. Yeah, I've really thought this through. So, but her weakness, as is so often the case, was love. So one day as Kim Kardashian, she met Baby Herman at a showbiz party and they quickly began having an affair. However... When he learned the truth about her, he was horrified. And he accused her of what he called skin face. Mm-hmm. It's like blackface, but with two in the dressing as Fair skin. enough, yeah. He does not like that. He doesn't approve. It's like Rachel Dolezal, that woman who thinks she's black. It's that kind of thing. So he's horrified, and he threatens to out her. So when he signed the book deal, she was forced to act, because she knew that's when it's going to come out. So she was forced to feed him a fatal overdose of dip and make it look like suicide. That's why Jasmine... So Jasmine killed mm-hmm. baby Herman. So she wouldn't be, the world would not realise she was actually Kim, that Kim Kardashian was Jasmine. Yeah. Just to recap once again. So Jessica prepares to arrest her, but Jasmine pulls out a hip flask of pure dip and quickly swallows it, choosing death over the humiliation of exposure. Wow. So Jasmine immediately melts. You know, much mm-hmm. like the original film, it's pretty horrifying. Mm-hmm. It happens. So, and then, so Jessica's left alone and she's about to walk away when she notices that the Kim Kardashian suit that Jasmine was wearing is still intact. <laughs> And not only that, but it fits her even better because she's got the proportions. She's mm-hmm. got the bum, she's got the chest. Mm-hmm. So as the movie closes, Jessica suits up, as becomes the new face of Kim Kardashian, mm-hmm. and walks out to greet the paparazzi and embrace her stardom once again. 
And that is the end of the melancholy death of Baby Herman. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Any questions? Um, no, not really. As always. <laughs> uh, no, just, just trying to get my head around it, I guess. Hmm. It took a few turns. You, you beat me again. I don't, I don't think it's competitive. It's, we have different styles. I think you, you go for a more kind of plausible style and I tend to jump off the deep end a little bit. Yeah, I... Well, I know who who yours was for. It was for it was for people like you and me. <laughs> Would you, you think you'd enjoy that film? Yeah, definitely. Oh, good, good, good. Uh, would Kim Kardashian play herself? I hope so. I hope she'd poke fun at her own image in that way. Yeah, yeah that'd be good. Yeah. Oh, that was pretty good. Cool. Okay, so we also have some fan submissions this week. Oh, great. I put the call out on Twitter. So good, good. We have some Where fans who have suggested. So these are some suggestions from people on Twitter who what they would like to see from a Who Framed Roger Rabbit mm-hmm. sequel. So we have Callie Gutter's podcast, and they suggest we go rep for a retro 80s timeline. So mm-hmm. the, a sequel to the film set in the 1980s, directed by John Favreau, that brings the cartoons to life. Mm-hmm. So I think the idea of that is that it's, <clears throat> it's going to be the same characters, but also 80s cartoon characters as well, interacting with, right. so, with an 80s kind of aesthetic, which I like. Yeah, yeah. Then Blokebusters, they suggested that Valiant's gone missing, and it's up to Roger now to be the detective. So it's a role reversal. Roger's now looking for Valiant. Oh, that is a good idea. Yeah. But in the end, it turns out that there was a letter on Valiant's desk the whole time explaining that he's just gone on holiday. And Roger, <laughs> just being a crap detective, hasn't figured out. So. I like that one. Mm-hmm. Good one, guys. Yep. Captain Hygiene he has suggested a film called Roger Rabbit, The CG Soldier, in which Eddie is now a brainwashed assassin for computer-animated characters trying to destroy Toontown. And Roger has to fight him. Wow. Yeah, so as I understand this, yeah, so Eddie's been captured by oh, the, the CGI characters. Yeah, CGI characters and brainwashed to destroy Toontown so that CGI can take over and Roger has to stop him. I mm. think is the idea of that one. And finally, our old friend Aaron from Media Realness, mm. our most reliable contributor, <laughs> he would call it Roger and it would be a TV series basically based on the TV show Dexter. <laughs> and much like in Dexter Roger has turned into a crazy cartoon who, who, who kill, who's a serial killer who kills other unfunny cartoons basically mm-hmm. and the plot twist is that in the original film he actually did kill Mr. Acme <laughs> and um, the cop was actually his friend and that was his alibi so Eddie Valiance was his mm-hmm. providing an alibi for him the whole time basically mm-hmm. it's, it's the whole scheme that went right up to the top so yeah so that's Roger as... I think the idea there is just Roger as... Roger Rabbit as Dexter, which I like. Yeah. So, yeah, those are our fan submissions. Very, oh, very good. Really well. Yeah. well done, guys. Those are great ideas. Thank you very um, much. Yeah, I... keep them coming. If you have any fun, any ideas of how you'd like to see a sequel to Roger Rabbit, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, or any other film that we've done or may do in the future, let us know. We're on Twitter and Facebook on Beyond the Box Set, and our website is beyondtheboxset.com. Yeah. And if you'd like to get any submissions ready for next week, uh, mm-hmm. next week's episode, well, next week... We are going to be doing Gravity. Oh, okay. I knew this was coming. Yeah. Uh, it will be our most modern film. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, cause what year did it come out? Uh, two or three years ago. Okay. So Inception was about <clears throat> seven or eight years ago, I guess. It was 2009, Inception. Okay. Um, yeah, and Gravity was uh, much more recent. Yeah, so, yeah, I've, uh, I've, I've always thought what would happen mm-hmm. after Gravity, yeah. after the events of that film. After so, Gravity? That sounds like a title in itself. It does, actually, yeah. <laughs> Mine. Um, no! <laughs> no <I'm joking. laughs> Uh, yes, so uh, that's what we're going to be doing next week. Please tune in. Uh, mm-hmm. Like John said, we're on, uh, everywhere on Beyond the Box Set, mm-hmm. um, including iTunes and Stitcher now, where we would love your subscribes. Yeah, and reviews, please. Five stars only. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, see you all next week. Yep, thanks a lot. Bye. Bye.